Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Tonight on Huckabee, Breitbart News Editor-in-Chief Alex Marlowe, award-winning magic from Mark Brown, best-selling author Dr. Robert Jeffress, sweet southern harmonies from Chapel Heart. That's Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! What a great audience we have gathered here tonight. I am so happy with them. We're not going to let them leave. They're going to have to save for the next three tapings. But we will feed them. We will give them a place to sleep in the lobby. They'll have a wonderful time, and then they'll never come back again. You know, I think one of the dumbest traps that Republican candidates fall into is taking seriously this question. What will you do about income inequality? You know what the answer ought to be? Celebrate it, because income inequality is one of the best features of capitalism. Now, stay with me here, because it means that people are rewarded with monetary incentives if they work hard, are innovative, and they create products and services that a lot of people like, and those traits are good for everyone in society. You know where you're going to find income equality? In communist nations like Cuba, where everyone has pretty much nothing. That is, unless you count the leaders who always seem to live like kings. No matter the people who whine the most about income inequality tend to be socialist. They want us to institute an unjust economic system that has failed miserably everywhere it's ever been tried because they picture themselves being the power brokers who prosper under that corrupt system. Hey, ask any regular working person who fled to America from a socialist nation if they want to import that garbage here. The answer will always be no. There are three factors that make capitalism such a powerful force in creating wealth and growing the economy. Incentive, innovation, and competition. Profit really isn't even a factor because it's the very purpose of all three of those factors. See, profit provides the incentive that makes everyone who engages in capitalism believe that their efforts can pay off in gaining wealth and improving their lives. Leftists, they may see colleges as socialism indoctrination centers, but the only reason most people take on the time, effort, and debt of getting a degree is because they assume it will result in a bigger paycheck. Since, after all, gender study majors are In for a rude awakening, aren't they? (laughs) You know, people take risks that benefit us all, whether going to college, opening a business, or patenting new inventions. And it's not just because they're following their passion, but let's be honest, they hope to make money. 
All of this creative energy that powers capitalism is generated by people who are motivated by the knowledge that the system can and will reward their success. And there's nothing wrong with that. This opportunity didn't exist under the feudal system. It's severely hampered by socialism. And you know what? It is non-existent under communism. And that's why those systems are so economically stagnant and so far behind capitalist nations and in innovation. Capitalism is the true economic justice. Quite frankly, it has lifted more people out of poverty worldwide than any other system. Nothing's even close. If you want to see the perfect A-B comparison of communism and capitalism, look at a nighttime satellite photo of Korea. Capitalist South Korea is so prosperous that its lights shine brightly enough to be seen from the moon. Communist North Korea, it's in the dark, figuratively and literally. And by the way, that's also a perfect illustration of how the unequal income generated by encouraging incentive, innovation, and competition helps the entire society. Innovation that responds quickly to market demand brings us new and better products and services that improve everyone's lives. Young people today who claim to hate capitalism, they couldn't imagine a world without Amazon and Uber, smartphones, streaming entertainment, or other innovations of capitalism that certainly didn't exist when I was their age. Competition improves services. It keeps prices lower and provides choice. Russians in the old USSR, <clears throat> they used to wait in long lines for everything because the government was the only supplier. And the government didn't care if there were no choices. And the government didn't care if there were really no quality in the products or the services. Capitalism can even be better for the environment. Yep, it can. Because when consumers began demanding cleaner processes, greener products, and more fuel-efficient cars, industry quickly responded. And now you can find countless organic products available even at Walmart. And by the way, the air and the water are far cleaner in this country than they were 50 years ago. Capitalism is so much more efficient than government planning that while President Biden is trying to mandate that everyone drive electric cars by 2030, I would bet that long before then, private industry will have developed new auto technologies that make today's lithium batteries and the EVs that they go into look as obsolete as Model Ts. Well, that is, if the government will quit thinking it can predict the future and try to pick the winners and losers with subsidies, and if they would just get the heck out of the way. So when you hear someone ranting about income inequality, just remember, you're hearing someone so lacking in brain skills and ambition that the only way they could ever get rich is by being a socialist politician. Think about Bernie Sanders, who preaches austerity. But Bernie owns three homes. Alex Marlowe is a Breitbart News Network Editor-in-Chief. He's the host of Breitbart News Daily and now best-selling author of a brand new book called Breaking Biden, Exposing the Hidden Forces and Secret Money Machine Behind Joe Biden, His Family, and His Administration. It's a bizarre tale of corruption. And Alex warns, if we're not careful, Joe Biden could be 
elected again next year. Please welcome to our show for the first time, Alex Marlowe. It's great having you here. My pleasure. The book, Breaking Biden, in it, you give us a history that most of us really have never heard about. Joe Biden going all the way back to his early days in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and his family. When you researched this book, was there one sort of theme that kind of got your attention and kept it? Yeah, and this is exactly the right place to start. Uh, When I undertook this project, which was over a year of research, I was lucky enough to team with five incredible researchers who'd all worked on number one best-selling books for my friend Peter Schweitzer, who I know has been on with you. Yeah, great guy. Uh, The the standard bearer for our industry for research. Uh, And I, I had a hypothesis, and that was that we'd gotten Joe Biden all wrong that we get fixated on him bumbling up the stairs. He's confusing his wife and his sister. He's calling his sister the love of his life. Like, it's all this (laughs) crazy stuff that he does. His hair plugs. Why is his hair thicker now than when he was in his 40s? It's very odd. And it is odd. I'm not saying it's not. But we get fixated on that. And in the meantime, he's ascending the ranks. He's becoming senator for 30 years. Has a disgraceful record. He keeps getting reelected. He becomes vice president. Why would Barack Obama, who could have chosen anyone, chose Joe? Joe. And then he somehow times it just perfect so the stars align for him to be president. This all can't be a coincidence in this country. He was working the system because he had built it himself. Now, Hmm. I'm not saying he's an evil genius. I'm not going that far. But I am saying that over 50 years in Washington, he has used his Rolodex and more intellect than we give him credit for to be able to craft a system that he could summit. And now he's at the top. And I'm afraid, given the powerful people he surrounds himself with, given the level of donor class billions that are at his disposal, Jeffrey Katzenberg, one of the biggest moguls in Hollywood, saying he'll give Joe whatever he needs, he could win again if we're not careful and if we don't start taking him seriously. And that was what I set out to prove in the book. And I think I did that with example after example. Well, what I was amazed by, the, the footnotes alone, you talk about the research, 1,600 footnotes in this book. Yeah. So if anybody wants to challenge what you're saying in the book, um, they're going to have to wade through a whole lot of yep. specific references in which you cite chapter and verse of what you're saying. And I I don't think many people have done that level of research on Joe Biden and or his family. If you think you know Joe Biden, as I thought I did before I started researching him, we know nothing about Joe Biden. Hmm. The average person does not know the very beginning of the level of corruption and his destructive policies. We've decided to pawn him off as some sort of a puppet or something. He's not. He's the puppeteer more than anyone else. Joe is at the top, and we need to start taking him as not the symptom, but the actual problem. And in order to prove that, I had to bring the receipts. So this is why the establishment media is trying to ignore this book, even though somehow the New York Times let it on their bestseller list, which I have no idea why they did that. They're, they're shooting it must be selling great, because when they allow a book <laughs> like that that they can't stand the content of to actually get on the list, yeah. it is overwhelming that they can't ignore it. Uh, That's the point. And so they have to ignore it because all the receipts are in there. Uh, Let's talk about any of our favorite Bidens. How about James Biden? Okay, James has been in the news quite a bit because we saw that transfer. James is one of the most interesting men in the world. He's the one that got the $200,000 check that James Comer from Congress has revealed. It shows us the picture of it. And, you know, one of the questions is, did anybody pay tax on uh, on that loan? 
Well, we don't know yet. And hopefully all this will come out. And this is one of the great things that Comer is working on. But James, we're lucky that James is in this country if you believe the James and Joe Biden narrative. James started off as a humble nightclub owner. It's It's quite a job to be own a nightclub. And it's never before been used to launder money or anything like that. There's never, it's the salt of the earth, nightclub owners. So James then somehow got into the healthcare business as we learned. And he all of a sudden is getting, has this AmeriCorps company. Sure, the company went bankrupt and there was a lot of accusations of white collar crime. And James did lend himself $500,000 and pay himself a six figure salary and all that stuff. But you know what? He was trying. He was trying to provide healthcare. Uh, and then in his spare time, he had become an international businessman, which is really cool because yeah. who knew a guy who knew nightclubs and knew healthcare could also manage to get. 100,000 homes built, not in the United States, in Iraq. It's a just totally coincidental that this is how uh, James has lived his life. And we're all supposed to act like this is normal. Governor, this is absolutely not normal. That James Biden is nightclub owner, helping finance Joe's campaigns. He's running a healthcare company, and now he's doing deals in Iraq. And it's not just Iraq. He's doing them in Costa Rica. He's building a golf course there. He's doing them in Mozambique. Uh, I was joking with my friend Peter Schweitzer, who's done even more research on this than I have, maybe. Uh, Peter says he's done deals in Costa Rica, Mozambique, and elsewhere. Even Peter, the greatest researcher in the world, goes, okay, I'm out. That's enough. That's enough. (laughs) Mozambique, Iraq. Have we seen enough from James Biden? Apparently not, because Americans don't know these stories. And I want to share them with them because these are the people who are in charge and they're going to stay in charge if we're not careful. Alex, I want to continue our conversation. We're going to take a break and when we come back, I want to ask you specifically about what's going on at the border. And is this just an accident? Is this intentional? Because I know you write about it. So stick around. We're going to continue our conversation with Alex Marlowe right after the break. But right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us what we have in store for the rest of the evening. Well, coming up, magician Mark Brown makes his TV debut. And later, Dr. Robert Jeffress talks about the Ten Commandments in his new book. You're watching Huckabee. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back, everybody. We are visiting with Alex Marlowe. He is the author of this brand new book called Breaking Biden. It is fascinating. It is incredibly detailed and documented, as we mentioned in the earlier segment, with over 1,600 footnotes. So if you say, well, how do I know it's true? Well, you can look through all the footnotes and decide for yourself if they're accurate and honest. Um, Alex, I wanted to get into the border situation because a lot of people look at this millions, literally millions of people coming across the southern border basically being waved in, and people think, well, it's a political move. You have stated in this book that it's really all about big business and what it's doing to the country's economy. What's going on at the border, and and why is Joe having sort of no concern whatsoever? Again, just like everything else with Joe Biden, there's a design to it. The design starts with the fact that Democrats are, are not having enough children. And some of those children, Governor, as you might know, if they're born, 
they might get sucked into the world of right-wing YouTube and right-wing <laughs> talk radio, and they might lose their values where they were raised on the left, and they start becoming conservative. So the Democrats need to replenish their stores of voters, and so they do this by importing people. Now, we even have illegal aliens voting in local elections. You better believe if Democrats have enough power nationally, they would love for that to happen at a national level. But at a minimum, those families are going to raise kids who are going to, at least the first generation, most likely to be Democrats. All the polling backs that up, uh, whether it be the fact that there's more government welfare, et cetera, which poor people get hooked on. But there's also this element that we're not great about on the right is that the Democrats broadcast in Spanish more often, which I'm critical of the right about this. We don't get our message out to a lot of those new people. But the bottom line is all those voters are undocumented Democrats coming across. So that's number one. But the more nefarious reason that I think is really gross is to benefit the corporate establishment that now favors the Democrat Party. One of the great misnomers in this country right now is that big business is Republican. No. No, no it's not. Big business doesn't like change. They like yeah. the status quo. And the status quo is mostly the Democrat establishment and a little bit of the Republican establishment, which I know you've strong words for them too, Governor. Mm -hmm. So what's going on that Joe Biden sees is that if you import new, new workers, they drive down the wages of Americans. That lowers the bottom line for corporations. And once the bottom line is lowered, their stock can go up, their prices go down. All of it helps the corporate elite who are the funders of Joe Biden's whole ecosystem. So he knows he's not just importing a new generation of Democrats, he is doing a favor to corporate America. And this is one of the scariest things and why it took an outsider like Donald Trump to come in and say, we're going to build the wall, okay? It's going to be a big, beautiful wall, okay? Mexico's <laughs> going to pay for it. And he didn't get far enough along, but God willing, he'll be able to finish the job next time around or whoever is the Republican nominee if something crazy happens. Um, but this is why Joe Biden went to work on day one to remove all of, of the good that Trump had done with not just not building the border wall, but the Northern Triangle Agreements, uh, remain in Mexico, and eventually Title 42, all of these things were used to keep some sense of law and order at our border. That is a disaster for the Democrats. Finally now, there's so many illegal aliens all over the country that are causing enough damage. Some Democrat cities are going, hey, Joe, probably it's too much. Can we, can we do something, please? It's finally they're crying uncle, which is good, but there's a reason why it took three years for that to happen. Do you think something is going to come out of the congressional investigations? I mean, th 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 there are serious people who are conducting them. Yeah. I have a great confidence in James Comer. I love Jim Jordan and what he's doing with the Judiciary Committee. But I still wonder, will the media ever get interested enough to cover it? Because I don't think that just having Republicans in Congress is going to move the needle. Yeah, I, it's a two-part answer. And I think the first part is yes. I think we're already seeing stuff. For people like me and Peter who have investigative teams and the, the good folks I work with day to day at Breitbart, uh, we can't get those dollar figures. We don't get subpoena power to get bank records. So when you start seeing, oh, specifically $2,000, $200,000 wire going from AmeriCorps to James, $200,000 check to Joe, that's huge because I can't get that sort of stuff if I research my, the rest of my life. It doesn't matter if the committee turns up anything. We have enough on the Bidens to vote them out as people. If we know the true story, if people read Breaking Biden and spread the word about it, 
I think we have enough that people will understand that we cannot tolerate this level of corruption at the highest echelons of America. Well, let's and hope, we will get fired up. Let's hope that that happens. And I hope part of the ways that it starts happening is reading this book, Breaking Biden. Alex, it is a phenomenal work and a, 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 an incredible gift to the truth. And I hope that people will get it, Breaking Biden. It is in bookstores now, and we even can help you get your own copy because if you head over to Huckabee.tv, we will find you links to Alex on social media as well as Breitbart News and how to get this book. Keith Bilbrey is going to give us a little news about who's coming up next. Keith? Well, coming up, we head to the Deep South for a special installment of Our Kind of Town. And later, Dr. Robert Jeffress on a fresh presentation of Ancient Truth. You're watching Huckabee. Welcome back, everybody. One of the things I love most about doing this show is I get to hear some phenomenal music from right here in Music City, USA. And part of the reason for that is because we have the very best band in America on this show, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Give them a big hand of appreciation. Well, autumn is here, and I'm thinking most people are just itching to head out on a weekend getaway. I've got a feeling that Keith Bilbrey has picked out a great spot for us. Keith, where are you taking us this time? We're headed down south, way down south, to Poplarville, Mississippi, a hidden gem in the heart of the Magnolia State. Poplarville is a town that embodies the spirit of the south, a thriving community that radiates warmth and hospitality. Love blueberries? Well, Poplarville is pretty much the blueberry capital of Mississippi, so don't miss the annual Blueberry Jubilee, where folks come from all over to celebrate the blueberry. For nature enthusiasts, Swallow Fork Lake is a haven of tranquility. The serene lake offers fishing, hiking trails, and cozy cabins where you can connect with the great outdoors. Also, check out Blueberry Manor, a charming bed and breakfast that'll make you feel right at home. As you stroll through town, stop at the coffee shop where you can sip on a cup of your favorite brew, then go shopping at one of the great shops or trendy boutiques. Hey, King! Welcome to Poplarville! What? Hometown Girls Chapel Heart? What are y'all up to? You know, we're just so busy. We're here working today. No, we're not. We're here shopping. <laughs> we're shopping at our favorite place in Poplarville, Posh. Uh -huh. well, that's great. Hey, what else do you like to do there in Poplarville? Okay, Key, so first off, if you come to Poplarville, you have got to go to Wards and get you a big one. It's home of the big ones, so you can't beat I'm it. telling you what, Wards has got a chili cheese dog that is just unstoppable. Mm, but you can't get either of those if you don't top it off with a root beer float Ooh. with the homemade Wards root beer. Yeah, yes. That sounds That's yummy. Cool. What else is there? 
Let me tell you what, one of our pride and joys is the Popleville High School, also the Popleville School District, where we often go, you know, we give back to the kids and we, we talk a lot about the music business and the music industry, and we just try to share our knowledge and wisdom with them. And Keith, we absolutely can't talk about coming back home to our hometown without talking about where it all began for us, singing right here at the Hearts Chapel Baptist Church. It's the pillar of our community. It's where we go back to to get grounded when we come home. Thank you so much, Chapel Heart, for popping in and showing us around your town. Thank you, Thank Keith. The warmth of Poplarville is ingrained in its people. Did you know that the mayor is best known for making the best brownies in town? Well, she's got my vote. Visit the old-fashioned soda shop, a slice of nostalgia where you can enjoy their classic milkshakes. You'll become a kid again. Poplarville is home to Pearl River Community College, where students from all walks of life come to pursue their dreams through education. I mean, Jimmy Buffett went there, for goodness sakes. Poplarville is only an hour away from the beautiful Gulf Coast. Spend a day at the beach and be home in time for dinner. Whether you're drawn by its rich history, the allure of Chapel Heart, or the beauty of its natural surroundings, this town is a destination that will leave you unforgettable memories. And that's why Poplarville, Mississippi is... Our town. Uh, I love it. You know, I can see why Chapel Heart loves their hometown. They're proud of their hometown, but I tell you, their hometown is proud of them. It is a perfect slice of small town America, and I'd take that trip just for one of those chili dogs and a root beer float. <laughs> we want to give special thanks to the city of Poplarville, also to Jonathan Smith, Zach Barrett, and the Poplarville Chamber of Commerce for helping us show you their town. If you go to poplarvillems.gov, you get more information about the home of Chapel Heart. Also, a very big thanks to our next guest. Since the last time they appeared on the show, Chapel Heart have been taking country music by storm, racking up success after success. See, I told you this show would make your career, ladies, I did. From the golden buzzer on America's Got Talent to standing ovations at the Grand Old Opry, they are unstoppable. And when they were with us before, we all fell in love with their music, but even more, we fell in love with them because of their authentic joy in life, their passion, their unique and contagious talent. Their new album is called Glory Days, and they recently launched their first ever headlining tour. I want you to give an enthusiastic welcome to my very favorites, Chapel Heart. Yes. <laughs> welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having us back. Yes. Thank you so much. And, and you just have to keep coming. There you go, from the Golden yes. Buzzers to the Mike Huckabee Show. There you go. I mean... <laughs> Well, and if the, wherever the top is, I'm convinced you guys are going. But you know, one of the things I love about you, and we saw it in the video, you're very well grounded. You grew up in the church. That's where you learned to sing. But you, you didn't forget your hometown and even your roots, and you still go back. But that must be a big influence in your life and in your heart and your, your, your future. It re oh, say it really is, and I think um, a lot of the times we go and we meet people, and they say y'all are so kind and you're so nice, and we're like that's just how we grew up. If you go to Poplarville, everybody that you meet is gonna be just like that. Mm. You're gonna get greeted with the hug, love. I always all say of that. you can't out nice a Mississippian. Like, <laughs> it's like I love you, I love you more, I love you the more. Okay, you just can't beat us. <laughs> but isn't that the beautiful way? I mean, I think that's true across so much of the South, where people 
really accept that hospitality mm -hmm. is a way of life. It's not mm -hmm. something that you try to do. It's something that is ingrained. But when you guys sing, and this is what I love, there's an enthusiasm. There is a joy that is just effervescent in what you do. And these great songs that you're doing, you wrote them. Yes, and you know what? Our small town of Poplarville does have a lot to do with it. Like you say, it's the it's the place that kind of made us who we are so we can dig into those small town experiences and be able to just share them with the world. What is it about your music that you think causes people to say, wow, those ladies are, I mean, they're speaking to me. It is the message of the song. You know, I think there's songs like If You, if you Ain't Wearing Boots, that you know, we were we were on we were on um, tour, and everything was just so fast paced, fast paced. And our fans kept saying, "Remember to slow down. Remember to take this in," which is really where that entire album came from. And it was remembering that on Saturdays, when our grandma would make us like she'd make us go go to everybody elderly on the street and go help them take out their trash and sweep and mow and mop and all the things. But it was just like slowing down to a simpler time. And 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 I really think that maybe that's the connection for people. At least I sure hope so. <laughs> when you were a little girl growing up, did you envision that one day you would be singing at the Grand Ole Opry and getting a standing ovation? Never in a million years. I don't, I, I, still to this day, I think we're all still pretty shocked that we even got to play the Grand Ole Opry. But it is literally a dream come true for us. Mine was a little different. I thought I was going to be a star in third grade. So uh, keep hanging in there because dreams do come true. That happened a little later, but hey, it's still going to happen anyway. I was ready. But, you know, when you're, you're performing in front of a crowd, now you're headlining. You're not just opening for somebody else, but you're the headliners. Um, you look out there and people are cheering and clapping and joining you in the music. I mean, when you when the show's over, what do you go backstage and think of the whole experience? Um, honestly, more recently, after our shows are done, you know, usually the theater gives you about an hour to get all your stuff and leave. But, like, we decided to give it back to our fans, so we do, like, meet and greets. Yeah. And sometimes, especially when there's, like, a 10-day run, people are like, you're tired. I know you're tired and worn out. But being able to spend that little bit of time with the fans after the show, it's like a rejuvenation you would not believe. Mm -hmm. Like, the amount of love that people just pour out, it's kind of hard not to want to, mm. you know, get as much as you can before you head to the next city. Well, I hope that you never lose that sense of just sheer pleasure in what you do and never forget how much pleasure you are giving to your fans and you are it is an honor to have you back can't wait to do a little music with you later in the show oh thank you guys yeah make sure that you check out chapel hearts tour schedule and get this new album. It's wonderful. It's called Glory Days. We have all the links you need at Huckabee.tv, so please support these wonderful ladies. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to relive his glory days, if he can remember them. Back in the days when he was a radio disc jockey, and he's going to tell us what's coming up next. Well, after the break, Dr. Robert Jeffress joins us to discuss his new book. Then stick around for an incredible performance by Chapel Hart on Huckabee. You may not know this, but it only takes about 18 minutes to read the Sermon on the Mount. 
But in that sermon, Jesus gave more great advice on faith, relationships, money, and more than in any statement in history. Still, it's often misunderstood. But there's a new book and TBN series that are making it easier to understand. I want you to welcome the author and the host of 18 Minutes with Jesus, the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas. He's also the host of TBN's Pathway to Victory. Please welcome Dr. Robert Jeffress. Pastor, great having you here again. It's great to be with you, Governor. You know, you've got a great project that's going to be on TBN, and it's all about the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, you know, I'd never thought about it. You, you can read the whole thing in 18 minutes. I had a thought, Governor, one day, what if Jesus were to come back and give a <laughs> TED Talk? What would he talk about? And then I thought, we already know. Yeah. We have his TED Talk. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You can read, as you said, the Sermon on the Mount in 18 minutes. And though it's brief, it contains everything we want to know about marriage, about money, about faith, about our eternal destiny. And so uh, Matt and Laurie had a great vision at TBN for going over to Israel and filming this series we did earlier this year. It's 11 uh, parts in length. It's beautifully done. And I hope people will tune in. By the way, we're the warm-up act for Huckabee on Saturday night. And we, are, we are thrilled you are because people want to watch the, uh, the program that you do with the Bible teaching, and it's a perfect entrance to our show on Saturday night. We're excited that you are the lead-in. Well, you are. Uh, we, we may even keep some of that audience, and our numbers will go up. <laughs> That's very good. I, I'm amazed at how many things that you are getting done. Pastor of one of the most phenomenal churches in the world, the historic First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, over 15,000 members, or is it 30,000? 15,000. 16, but 16, who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> you are. You're the pastor. You know exactly how many there are. Um, but this project, on this uh, Sermon of the Mount, but also this book, which I find very fascinating. People aren't talking about the Ten Commandments, and this one's called The Ten that's right. And All the subtitle the is How to Live and Love in a World That's Lost Its Way. And I think everybody in our audience would agree that's the kind of world we're living yes. in right now. We've been here before, Governor. Back in 1863, when our nation was being torn apart by the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln issued the first proclamation for prayer and repentance in our country's mm -hmm. history. And in that proclamation, he asked the question, why is our nation being torn apart? And then he answered his own question. He said, because we have forgotten God. Mm. And I believe that mm. diagnosis is true today. We've forgotten yeah. God and his laws. We think our ways are better than his ways. And so I wanted to go back 3,500 years to God's original 10 commands and talk about and show how they're still relevant. In fact, more relevant today than they've ever been. And Governor, if anybody gets anything out of this book, I want them to take away this truth. God gave us his laws not to oppress us, not to repress us, but to bless us. They were given not for God's benefit, but they were given for our benefit. You said something in this book that I found very startling and, and, uh, and, and frightening. And that is that surveys show that most people in America can barely name five of the Ten Commandments. They have no idea what they are. Sixty percent cannot name more than five commandments. And yet we wonder why we're in the situation we're in right now. 
And you know, the Supreme Court back in 1980 decided to take down the Ten Commandments, wouldn't allow them to be displayed in a Kentucky hallway of a Kentucky school. Not just taught, they can't even display them because the Supreme Court said children might actually obey and venerate the commands, and that's not permissible under the Establishment Clause. I mean, it is complete insanity. It's time for us to go back to the basics, I believe. I think it really is, and I think we all agree. When we look at the things that are happening in our society and culture, not just in government, but, but overall, and the horrible situation that's taking place in Israel, um, I mean, our hearts break, but, but sometimes I ask myself, if we've got people out there marching streets in support of yes. terrorists and the most vicious, barbarian acts in the history of mankind, is there hope? For this world? There is hope, and the hope is Jesus Christ. Mm. Look, Governor, this is a spiritual war that's going on right now. Uh, God said 4,000 years ago to Abraham, he was going to make him the father of a great nation. God promised to uphold Israel and protect Israel, and Satan has decided to try to destroy God and destroy his ability to keep his promise, and he's used human forces, whether it be Pharaoh or Herod or Antiochus Epiphanes or Adolf Hitler to try to show God cannot keep his promise to safeguard Israel. Well, what we're seeing right now in the Israel right now in Israel, Hamas's attacks, Iran's attacks, they are not attacking Israel. They are waging war against Almighty God, mm, and that's absolutely. a battle nobody can win. God is <laughs> Thank God, that's the truth. Um, I know we only have about 30 seconds, but I just want to ask you, I know you've been a very close friend of President Trump. You've been a strong supporter of him. Um, you know, people will ask you, you're a pastor, and they ask me the same thing, why I am. But what's the answer that you give them, the, the simple answer as to why you believe that he should be reelected? Well, I've been supporting him now for eight years, since 2015. I keep in contact with him, and after one of the latest flare-ups, I sent him a text, and he sent back in the middle of the night a very thoughtful reply. He said, you know, thank you for praying. Everything has a way of working out. Mm. He's the toughest guy I've ever seen. He's not perfect. Yeah. He doesn't pretend to be perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not? But <laughs> my wife has been telling me that for years. I guess it must be true. But <laughs> he has done more for the pro-life, pro-religious yes. liberty, pro-Israel causes than any president in history. By far. And that's why I'm sticking with him. Me too. Great having you here. Great to be here. 18 Minutes with Jesus airs Saturdays at 7.30 Eastern and Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern. And it's also on TBN and the TBN app. You can watch it on demand. His book is called The Ten, How to Live in Love in a World That Has Lost Its Way. And boy, it really has. We have links for you over at Huckabee.tv. I hope you will link, get the book, watch the series. We just love Dr. Jeffress. Okay, Keith Bilbrey, is there anything left in this show? I'm sure there is. Tell us what it is. Oh, you better believe it. You won't believe your eyes. Coming up, magician and sleight-of-hand master Mark Brown. Stay with us. To find autographed copies of Chapel Heart's latest CD, Glory Days, plus tour dates, social media sites, and more, visit Huckabee.tv. Now, 
performing This Girl Likes Fords from their brand new album, Glory Days, with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on bass, here's Chapel Heart. Saw that little black box in your drawer when you walked out the room. I sure hope that it ain't diamonds. Don't want to ruin what you had in mind, but if you want to declare your love, there's something you should know. This girl. Four by four. 